Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Broadway Jets podcast. You'll know me from Twitter as NYJ Mike. I'm joined, as always, by the president of memes of Jets Twitter. It's NYJ Matt, and we have another guest today, a recurring guest, our friend Tommy. Welcome, Tommy. What's going on, guys? Dude, ready to go. We're ready to go. So, Tommy, as we've talked about before, Great season ticket holder, great friend of ours. The Jets fall to 0-10 and are mathematically eliminated from the 2020-2021 playoffs with a 34-28 loss in L.A. Before we get any further into the game, the Jets played their best half of the season in the second half. And I want to see if you guys agree with that. Um, They looked like a competent team. They looked like a team that could actually win three or four games in the second half. And they almost pulled out a win against the Chargers team who has historically, you know, fallen short in that, in that fourth quarter. I want to see what you guys think of the game so far um, and, you know, kind of go through the week. Yeah. I mean, the, the second half, the Jets played well. They scored touchdowns on their final three drives. Uh, you know, just maybe you could argue that the Patriots game, the first half was, was just as good. Um, but man, the, 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 there was a lack of urgency for the Jets down the stretch in the game. I was going to create a video and black out the time. It was the set. It was the second to last drive, and Jets were down thirty-four nineteen. Or was that ended up being the last drive? No, it was a run up the middle of Frank Gore. It was a you know Joe Flacco scramble and kind of slides, and then a, a, a quick throw, and then a run, a run. It was it was over and over again. They keep running, and to be fair, I think the play calling the second half was fine, but when you have zero catches from your three top receivers. And if you include, you know, Jeff Smith and, and Vincent Smith, you have one catch in the first half with those five guys. And then you move towards the second half and you take shots downfield. You go after Perryman, you go after Mims. And in the second quarter, you went after them as well. Look at the, the big plays that happened. Look at them getting first downs, making catches down the field. It's just something that has been absent in the first nine games besides the Patriot loss last time the, the Jets went out there, you got to give guys a shot. And, and Mims was a perfect example of a guy who had only three catches for 71 yards on eight targets. Three of the targets were completely out of his reach, and the other two became a first down. So Denzel Mims, I've, I tweeted out, is a perfect wide receiver where he doesn't have an ego. He cares about playing hard and winning. And I am so fucking thankful that Denzel Mim is a New York Jet and I cannot wait to see what he does with a real head coach a real coordinator and a quarterback who's playing well yeah I mean let me hear what you think yeah I mean you know I hate losing but I think obviously at this point in the season I think that was the best outcome you know you want to lose and get the number one pick and I know you guys are big on either trading the pick or taking Lawrence but no you have to be encouraged with the Mims especially without you know, he didn't really have a real training camp, but everything with COVID and then the hamstring. So that's encouraging. You know, I still love – I love Frank Gore, but I still love seeing the wasted carries on him. I mean, because, you know, he's just 100 years old. But, um, yeah, and then I don't know if you guys heard after the game, the whole play calling situation with Gase. That's that's another intriguing – we have to hit on that. That's another mind bo- – like, this guy can't get any more nauseating, but that's okay. <laughs> the fact that Adam Gase – gets the play call from Dowell Loggins in his headphone and then tells the quarterback, but has veto opportunity might be the most insane part 
of the 2020 Jets because if you are Adam Gates and you think you might be a problem and you take yourself away from it, Dow Loggins should call every single play. And to your point about Frank Gore, Frank Gore had 15 carries for 61 yards, you know, over four yards a carry and a touchdown. Nothing to be upset about. P. Ryan, half as many carries. Ryan got hurt. One touchdown. Definitely. Definitely. But then also, a thing that bothers me too is is Frank Gore twice was used out of the backfield as a pass catcher. Frank Gore has more catches than Jameson Crowder and has the same amount as Perryman. It's just a frustrating game in that aspect. But Mike, to your point, another rookie goes down with an injury. Becton, I love Becton to death. Goes out for a series, which is many times. a little concerning. You, you need to get him out there. But the, my favorite part about the game for Becton, he looked great against Bosa. And then the moment he comes back in the game, Bosa's on him, pushes him off to the guard, and then murders, murders Ingram coming around the edge. So he had to, on one play, face Bosa and Ingram and had Flacco allowed to, to go downfield and have a completion. Becton looked great today against the most effective pass rush you'll see all year. So very happy with, with Becton. I think Mims played his ass off all game. P-Rhyme, you know, touchdown, second touchdown of the year, 4.1 yards of carry. Can't complain. Mike, I want to see your take on Bryce Hall because he looks like an old-school corner, and he doesn't care about getting physical. He got called for a little ticky-tack flag early on in the game, but I think towards the second half, you saw Bryce Hall a lot less on TV, which is a good sign for a cornerback, and they made one great play that led to a fourth down for a tackle for loss. What do you think about Bryce Hall and, and how he played today? I thought Bryce Hall was was fine. I thought the even it was the first or second drive for the Chargers, they targeted him a couple times. On third down, they they got a, a completion, but Hall was right there on a, on a comeback. Before that, they called the ticky-tack penalty. He likes to get in there and, and put his helmet on the football. He's intense. Uh, you're right, he's pretty old school. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's around the ball. So if one of Bryce Hall, Lamar Jackson, bless Austin – this Ballantyne, Guidry, one one of these guys needs to become an NFL caliber starting corner. And probably right now, if you had to put your money on it, you'd say either Bryce Hall or Bless Austin. Now, Tommy, I want to hear your take on Adam Gase and Dow Loggins' play calling. The leading receiver for the Jets is Ty Johnson with four catches. Everyone else had three or less. When you look at this game as a whole, is there anything positive to take away about the second half and how they played? Or are you more... There, there's nothing positive that can come out of, of what the Jets did today. Well, I know I was saying earlier, I think you have to be really happy with Mims, you know, con- you know, making con- making catches and contested catches, you know, drawing a couple pass interferences. You know, that I think that's encouraging. And I think like we've been saying all year, Becton's he looks like he's going to be a real player. And I know I'm not saying Piran's going to be, you know, this great running back, but I would like to see him – just kind of take over a game, you know, have 20, 25 touches. And, mm-hmm. you know, I love Joe Flacco, but we all know he's not going to be the answer. I know he had that beautiful throw to uh, Perryman in the first half. But, no, I mean, but like you guys said earlier, like, it's the urgency. Like, all right, you're trying – now, we don't want them to win pretty much, but, you know, you try to win a game, right, and they're taking their sweet time with the line, the running. What is that? What are they doing? They're it's, down 34-19, and they just – and they're, they're not – hurry up, they're I'm, running the ball. 
I know this was weeks ago and nobody cares, but we were playing Miami and they're down three scores and he's running the ball three times in a row with 10 yeah. minutes of, or not, or punting the ball. It just goes to show you. It's like, and they were actually in this game, which I give the Jets credit. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, the Chargers are someone to be scared of, but, you know, they pulled out a couple late wins and Herbert looks like he's going to be a real player. Um, they hang in and, you know, the Jets usually don't play well on the West Coast, but. Um, well, it's just, it just garbage. But this is all comes back to being just an absolutely atrocious head coach. The Jets and, did two things today that surprised me. They, on a, a questionable catch by Mims, they ran to the line and spiked it and, and snapped it immediately, which Darnold historically has struggled with. Um, that was a great play. And then Gates went for it. I think it was down 16 inside his own you know 50-yard line. I'm happy he did that with about six and a half minutes left. Two things that were actually normal football moves that they did. To your point on Herbert, Herbert had 49 pass attempts for 366 yards, and he had 290 going into the halftime, three touchdowns. Keenan Allen had 16 catches, more than any Jet player combined. The Jets had 15 catches on the day. Keenan Allen had more than anyone on the Jets team combined. It, it shows you where the two franchises are at and how different they are. As an organization, because the Chargers, as much as the Chargers get made fun of for blowing fourth quarter leads, like they're moving in the right direction that you can say you, you can be confident in that team. Even with us being excited that Denzel Mim had, had three catches and that, you know, Beckton looked good, there's no identity to this team. And there's nothing that I can go to bed at night and be like, okay, you know what? I have a, a good left tackle, a legit wide receiver number two. What else am I looking forward to on offense? Because Crowder, I love Crowder to death. Could be injury, but 70 reception, seventy receiving yards in the past three games, you want to have him get the ball more. Mike, I, I'm going to you first. What, what do we want to do the next six games, even outside of Darnold, but the other 10 guys on offense, what do we look for? I don't, I don't, I'm trying to think of like where we go from here that we can get to be the Chargers in a year or two from now. Well, I don't think anything. I just want to see Sam play well over the last six games. But I'm so frustrated because they just have now some weapons on offense – you know, when you line up Crowder, Perryman, Mims, Herndon had a pretty good game, but I would like to mention that Keenan Allen, like you said, 16 for 145 and a touchdown today. Chris Herndon on the season has 16 for 130 and a touchdown, including this game. Uh, so it was nice to see Herndon do something, but, you know, you're going to need more of that. Uh, you know, so speaking of the last six games, look at Herndon. You know, the he has a decent game, and the sentiment starts to change very quickly. You could not have a worse nine games than Chris Herndon to start the season. He has one solid game. It's the same thing with Sam Darnold. Things change quickly in the NFL. If Sam comes out and plays a one good game, 240 yards, three touchdowns, he's going to have a lot of momentum going into the next game to try and make his case. If he has a 2018-like finish and the Jets win two games and get not the first pick, the second or third pick, I think there's a chance Sam comes back. I'd rather have Sam and the mm -hmm. number two guy in the draft or the picks that you got for trading that than Justin Fields or this Zach Smith guy or, or Kyle Trask. I'd much rather have Sam. And the one other thing people keep citing on Twitter is, oh, Sam is going to get – he's going to get this big contract. Sam is on his rookie deal next year. So is Justin Fields. So would Kyle Trask be. If, if Sam plays well and then gets paid, then that's a good thing because you found your quarterback. So I don't know what people keep tweeting this at me. It doesn't make sense. No, I think I'm very confused about people telling me that Flacco is better for the tank or Flacco is worse for the tank. And then I made a point. Next week, Darnold versus Tua at home 
is the biggest opportunity for a win. I don't think that's questionable. Going to January Foxborough against Bill Belichick late in the year, I don't think that's a winnable game as much as Miami at home against Tua, who's been struggling as much as they've won games. I, I think we look at Darnold coming back, to Mike, to your point, comes back. He's playing for his life. He's playing for his career with this team. He's going to play hard. And and the Herndon is one of the most mind-boggling things because he has not been hurt. He has been playing in every game this year. And the Jets have lost Perryman for multiple games, Crowder for multiple games, Mims for half the year. As an offensive coach and an offensive guru, at what point do you utilize the guy you've been talking about all year? It has been a full year. We've been talking about Chris Herndon being a focal point of the offense. I'm not even... You could be a terrible tight end and still put more production up than Chris Herndon did if you're Adam Gates as a coach and saying, look, I have no wide receivers. I have no legit number one running back. And I have a, a quarterback who's hurt and a backup quarterback playing for me a part of those games. How does Chris Herndon not have more than 11 catches going into today? It's one of the most surprising things I've seen the Jets do in the past decade. The fact that he has been so underutilized. I want to start with Tommy and your take on Herndon. Oh, Tommy, because, yeah. I, and yeah, it's it's crazy, but, I, you know, you know it, mostly it's on the coach because, you know, when Bell was here, I, you know, I've been telling you guys for a year and a half, I thought they used him just off, awful. Didn't throw him the ball enough. The usage was just not, you know, I don't know what the hell he's doing. And then Herndon, too, like you said, all the training camp, all we heard about, Herndon's going to be great, Herndon's going to be great. And then how – He's been just god-awful the entire season, which has been a dis- big disappointment for all of us. And like you said, the receivers are out. They got rid of Bell. They have nobody. There's a point where, you know, Jeff Smith, Berrios, you know, these clowns are your number one, number two receiver, and he still can't get involved. Now, some of it's on him, too. I mean, you know, he's had a couple of really bad drops, the fumble in Buffalo. So, you know, I know everyone likes to just blame Gase. And like I said, he has a big part of it because of the usage. But, you know, Hernan hasn't played well either. And then, the you know, he had the in- really bad injuries last year. But it's unbelievable just how in 2018, those last four. Uh, last four weeks. I knew what, I knew what he was going to say. Tommy froze on us. I don't know what the hell's going on. There, there he is. We'll play through it. But, Tom, you're coming back on our end. The The big part for me in this game is I think the Jets actually played three pretty good quarters. And I don't want to use that adjective, adjective lightly. I think they played the first quarter well. It was a Flacco you know, pick six where, I don't know how you guys felt watching the broadcast. The moment he moved his arm back, it was a pick six. It was, it was incredible. <laughs> Crazy. But, look, Flacco... Flacco did his job as a backup quarterback should. We were very happy at Flacco coming in. We said, hey, look, we have a veteran guy who can come out and maybe steal a win while our guy is out hurt. And he almost did that today. So that was Joe Flacco's job. He, you know, he only completed 50% of his passes, which isn't good. But the fact that he kept us in that game and, and played hard, it, it does matter to me. And I think, Mike, I think you have a, a point to make soon, but I... The fact that we're in week 10 and this, these games have as much impact and importance as any other game is pretty remarkable at this point. Because you got to think about it. In a year that you know you have your guy, your franchise quarterback, you can root for your team to win a little bit. It's kind of like a weird final six, seven weeks. In this point, we don't know what the answer is. And every game, every snap, every meaningful play has impact to it. 
and it's it's a pretty unique time for any franchise to have. The thing that is bothering me very much and that is not talked about enough, so this goes back to Herndon as well, and maybe he could be salvageable. But the Jets don't do – and people say, oh, Adam Gase sucks, the play calling. What specifically sucks is that the Jets on too many drives don't give themselves a chance. So either in the first half the Jets ran the ball four times on second and ten. So And, and three of those were after first down runs of, of, no, of obviously no yards if it's second and ten. So on those drives, you ran the ball up the middle for no yards, ran the ball up the middle for no yards, and then Flacco is under pressure – you, you, that's a drive gone. So those drives, there's no chance to throw the ball to Chris Herndon. You can't throw it to Mims. You can't throw it to Crowder. You can't throw it to Perryman. It's a waste of a drive. That happened four times on second and 10 in the first half. And then again, once again on the, in the in the second half. So that's five times for the game. Uh, and, and then you're putting yourself in a bad situation again in the fourth quarter. You know, the Jets are moving the ball. They scored touchdowns on their first three drives in the fourth quarter. But you take uh, in the second half, but you take too long. Get to the line. Give yourself. Do things that improve your chance of winning. It's so infuriating because you're sitting here, you're watching the Jets move the ball, but you can you can score faster, and then give yourselves more opportunities at the end of the game. So in last week's game and this week's game, you know, obviously it's better for the Jets to lose, but you only had one chance at the end of both games with less than two minutes left. Whereas if you had shown a little bit of urgency, maybe you have a little bit more time. Maybe instead of the the uh, the Chargers able to do the stupid safety shit at the end of the game. You have ten extra seconds. Braxton Berrios, throw the ball backwards. Well, throw it over your head. Mike, the timeout. There's a timeout. The Jets called on their fourth and nine play. I didn't realize it. I thought the Jets had two timeouts, and I was very. Yep. And then fourth and nine, they had one timeout, and I looked over to my housemates. I go, hey, why, why do they have why do they have one timeout? And Gates called a timeout before because he wanted to get his play and his play, which I called live on TV, I said, they're going to drop back two steps and throw a deep ball and hope for the best. And they did that. And was there was there a tough, you know, it was, it was a questionable call. I think we all three of us agree that we probably didn't want it to be called anyway, but against right. Bryce Hall all game, that would be called. Right. So the weird thing for me is that I think we all agree that Gase is not the guy. It was a, a an interesting game where we kind of wanted him to play well, but obviously not get the win. We want Darnold to be the guy if they were to get a win to get it. Looking at the coaching candidates, because there are, I think, four or five in the NFL right now that are going to be interviewing for jobs next year. If we're taking Harbaugh out of the equation, you know, say Harbaugh stays at Michigan, you got Joe Brady, Eric Bieniemy, you know, Rowan from the Ravens, uh, Dabble, and Arthur Smith. You have five guys that are legit guys. Who do you guys, I'll start with Tommy, kind of stand out to you in the NFL currently that you want to take on your team? Now, you didn't mention the one guy, and I think there's a very good chance that he's going to – what's that? Throw it to me. I need it. I think he's going to be available, and I know people aren't going to probably – you know, I know his – you know, not everybody's really, you know, loving him right now because they have had a bad season. If Doug Peterson becomes available, now, I think, you know – I wasn't expecting that. I thought you were just didn't listen to the question. We're going to say Harbaugh. (laughs) Well, I'm all I'm all. I know a lot of people are not on the. You know, I don't really. Care a lot of people college. are not on the hard. Well, Matt's in the NFL, okay. but yeah. I mean, that's, and that's that's okay. I mean, I think he's very worthy. You know, I couldn't like listen when they hired Gates. All three of us didn't want him, but I. You know, we all said okay, we're gonna give him a chance. If the right. Jets hired Harbaugh, 
and he was awful, I wouldn't fault the Jets for once. You know, a lot of things you can mm-hmm. fault the Jets. But, no, if Doug Peterson somehow became available, I think it'd be interesting. Um, I know, you know, ever since the Super Bowl, I know they went to the playoffs last year. I think, you know, you could obviously – I know Wentz has been really bad, and, you know, that's a little concerning. But I, that's another guy I think would I'd be concerned. Now, I think the other guys – I just want somebody – and I said this when they got Gase – I just want somebody who's been a coach in this league before. I don't want – I'm not saying an offensive coordinator or a college guy can't come in here and be awesome. We see the Matt Rules, the Cliff Kingsburys. Obviously, it could work. I just think, like, for us and this organization, we need somebody that's done it before, offensive-minded guy. I mean, this is what I said two years ago. Um, and they checked all the boxes. It's just I didn't think Adam Case is going to – you know, I didn't like him as a head coach. Right. He was offensive-minded. He did coach this league before. So, that's what I would want. And – you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, I, I, I think knowing if Woody comes back and we all know how Woody operates on, under the assumption that he likes the big ticket guy, I think he'd be all over a hardball. And if Peterson became available, I think he'd be all over that too. Mike, tell me what you think. I love what I've seen from Arthur Smith. I love the way that he calls offense very balanced. He loves to run the ball 25 plus times with Derrick Henry. I, I think that's the way I would want to run my offense is – you know, lean on your tailback, uh, and then the play-action game. And that's what makes Tannehill look good. The play-action is old school. It's like fastball changeup in baseball. It works. It's hard to stop. You don't know what's coming. Uh, so I, I love what the Titans do. Again, today, every week, 32 pass attempts, 34 rushing attempts. They average 5.1 yards of carry on the ground. It's ground-and-pound football, but it's innovative. There's a lot of motion. There's a lot of trickery, a lot of misdirection. They'll throw the ball deep. They've done it to A.J. Brown uh, and Corey Davis this year. They've gotten a lot out of Jonu Smith, and the entire offensive line has been injured. They lost Taylor Lewan. They lost Roger Saffold. They lost their right tackle, and mm-hmm. they're still, you know, putting up 30 and beating the Ravens. Derrick Henry again today, 28 for 133. Makes it easier when you have him. But I would put – I would pick Arthur Smith right now. Out of all the NFL guys, if they go for a guy like Doug Peterson who's won a Super Bowl, I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you then you you know let's see what they do at the coordinator positions. Mike, I think, what it, Tommy, before I want to give my coach, I think an interesting topic would be Joe Brady coming out of Carolina. You obviously have a historic year with LSU in 2019. You go to Carolina. Carolina has scored 17 or more points in nine out of ten games. The only game they didn't, they scored 16. The Jets have only done that three times the entire year. Four times you count 17. I think this team today with Carolina going, you know, winning 20 to nothing against Detroit, PJ Walker goes for 24 out of 34, 260 yards, a touchdown, and two picks that were both in the red zone and ill advised throws by PJ Walker. It's the type of game that I look at this guy, he's like, all right, here's what we have. Here's how we're going to try to win with what we have. And they beat a desperate Detroit team who could have been five and five and been a legit playoff contender. They beat them. And, and they've beaten teams throughout the year, like the Cardinals and, and you know, the Falcons on the road. And they, they don't win these games. They have competent coaches with a team that people thought would go 3-13 and 13 on the year, a brand-new college coaching staff throughout, a quarterback, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, a lot of people were down on going to the year. I, I kind of like what I'm seeing from Joe Brady. And I'm not saying he's your number one guy, but when you bring him in and interview him, I think it's a, a really strong conversation to have that, 
he might be the next head coach of the New York Jets. But they, they remind me a lot of the 2018, uh, 2017 Jets with Josh McCown. There was, the Panthers were supposed to be terrible this year. They start off three and two. Their quarterback is having a better year than people thought. Teddy's completing 72% of his passes. He's on pace for 4,000 yards. And, you know, they did the, the Jets started three and two that year. They were supposed to go defeated. They've played tough teams really hard. Like they lost the, the Panthers lost to the Chiefs by two. They lost to the Saints on the road by three, like you said. Uh, it's interesting. But, I mean, like Tommy was saying, I do – it would be it would be nice to have a guy who has experience as a head coach just to have a little more normalcy than – like it's hard to take a chance after mm-hmm. this because if it doesn't go right, well, then you have another disaster. Is... I agree with both of you, and I think Christopher Johnson had that same mindset in 2018 and said, look, instead of taking Matt Rule and a complete like college coaching staff, let's get the guy who's come into MetLife and kicked the shit out of us for three years and, and bring him in. I think he got fooled by that with Adam Gase as taking that guy who's been a head coach. And Tommy, you, you mentioned it before, Adam Gase checked all the boxes for you to be a head coach, but you didn't want him. Right. And I think that's kind of what they got left with. I, I, I'm looking you know, to the future with this team. You have six games to, to re- realistically win one game maybe two to bring yourself out of the number one overall pick. I, it's one of the most unique times to be a fan of an NFL team. I don't think a lot of people get here where they really like the quarterback that they drafted two, two, three years ago, but they're in a position to get a guy who's generational at the number one pick. What do you want to do? And I think that's a question that I think the three of us have gone back and forth on. I'll start with Tommy and then move to Mike. If you could have your perfect scenario for the final Six games of the year, what would you take for the New York Jets? It's tough because, listen, I'm all about Sam. I feel bad for him. I think he's been put in a god awful situation. Two coaches and two, you know, two coaches in two years, two systems, just garbage personnel, the injuries, all that stuff. You know, you take Lawrence, you know, it makes a Jet job more attractive, right? And then I know, like you, Mike, you said, like next year we don't have to worry about Darnold's, you know, but the year after with the option, the 25 million, but, um, it's hard because I want Sam to be the guy, but I think like, let's say he plays well and they get out of that spot. And then he has to, then you get another coach, three coaches in four, you know, four years, whatever, three years. And, you know, I don't know, like Lawrence, at least like you start fresh, you know, you have a new system, new coach. And like you guys said with the coach, this is why I kind of want a guy who's already done it because people are just fed up and understandably. So, you know, if it doesn't work out again, say like how many guys are we going to go through? So, I know I'm not really answering the question, Greg. I want Sam to be the guy, but I really – I the each week that passes by, and especially when he doesn't play, and fair or not fair, three years in a row, he can't play 16 games, mm-hmm. um, that's a problem. And yeah. people – so, I don't know. It's just, you know, I think if they have the one pick, I don't I, – I can't – as much as, like, Mike, I know you alluded to him many times, I think they get the best trade package ever in terms of trading that pick. But Douglas didn't draft Arnold, and he would get crucified if they passed on Lawrence and he ends up working. Where Dar- Douglas gets a couple more – I mean, no, he's not going anywhere. Douglas gets a couple more years with Lawrence because it's, you know, it's his first year and it's his guy. So it's it's so many aspects to look at it. But they all – they the Jets did this to themselves in terms of keeping McCagnan too long, maybe keeping Bowles too long, and this is what happens. So. I think you're right, Tommy. I think the best case – the best case scenario that I want is not going to happen at this point. It's it's uh, at the beginning of the season, it also wouldn't have happened because I don't think the Jets were have the first pick. But I think the best actual case scenario for the Jets is 
that Sam Darnold wins two games or a game, plays really well the last six games, like the Jets secondary is horrible right now. So Sam could conceivably put up 30 points a couple of times and lose and maybe win one game. So let's say the Jets win one game with Sam. He looks like legit great the last six games. You still get the first pick. You trade it like Tommy was saying. And I've said it's the it's arguably the most valuable asset in the history of the NFL. You get three first round picks. You already have six first and second round picks in the next two years. That means you have eight because you trade the first pick. So you don't just gain a magical extra pick. But the Jets could build a fucking monstrous team like the Colts have done, like the Saints have drafted really well. The Seahawks did that when they drafted Russell Wilson. They drafted Richard Sherman and Bobby Wagner. I think the Jets could build a – the best way for the Jets to get great fast is if Sam dominates last six games, still get the first pick, trade it. But I don't think that's going to happen at this point. Yeah, I agree with Mike. I think the best-case scenario is Darnold wins two, plays great for five out of six, and then you can trade the, the two overall pick for – Two ones, two twos, and then you legit have four, three first round picks. And that could happen. That actually could happen. My scenario is that if the Jets trade the first pick, because that's literally, it's just a better version of that, of what I'm saying. So So I think the most, the, the, the most likely would be that or 0 16 to take Lawrence. I don't think you can have the middle ground of Darnold playing 210 touch, 210 yards, one touchdown a pick you you squeak out one or two wins and Darnold doesn't look like that confident guy that you need and and look if Darnold believes that his best option is going to in a Pittsburgh Indianapolis Chicago cause watch for San Francisco I'm telling you this team in in the event that that Sam had looked around and said look I'm fucking done with being on this team for three years and they've done this. I don't look if Darnold goes out on the field, he's going to play his ass off every second and prove he's the guy here. But I don't think it's crazy to say that Darnold comes out and says, "You know what? After a one in fifteen year, I think it's time for a change." Very, very scary situation if the Jets get the number two overall pick. Darnold doesn't think he should stay here. You have to take a number two overall pick where you can get two ones, two twos for, and you take Fields. I like Justin Fields. I don't think he's a bad quarterback, but I think I'd rather have Darnold and that capital to go along with it. At least with Lawrence, you know, like, and like I said, just because Lawrence is generational talent doesn't mean he's going to come out and be great. At least you could, like, again, we all want Darnold to be the guy, but, like, I could understand the Jets not passing on Lawrence. And, again, no offense to Fields. Nobody knows what he's going to be, just like with Lawrence. But I feel safer with Lawrence, obviously. So I would feel very nervous if the Jets took Fields – you know, Lawrence, like, you really can't complain. You know, Lawrence is a great is – a, is a good outcome. But if you have Fields and then a similar roster to what you have now uh, next year, it's like, all right, we're going to – what are we going to go, 4 and 12? It's the it's, – uh, and maybe it'll work out in the long term, you know. I want to get into that, Mike, because a lot of people on Twitter said when Perryman called the touchdown, they said, hey, look, Perryman, wow, he was a real quarterback when he's healthy. He's great. He's really good. And I'm like, okay, well, if you if you think Perryman's that guy – you want to resign him, and Mims will be here next year, and Crowder will be the slot next year. Should be. You have the same receiving core if you don't get another guy in free agency or the draft. So, be prepared to have the same excuse if your new quarterback doesn't play well with Perryman, Mims, Crowder, or if they get hurt. It's just you can't have that same garbage next year. But the hilarious thing is, Darnold never even got to play with those guys. He never, never not once, not one time. Yeah, so. I'm just gonna say this now: if they take Lawrence or if they take Fields, 
from day one, they better draft more receivers, sign somebody, trade for somebody. Because I don't, I you. The problem was from day one. They didn't. They didn't help him. 2018, the receivers and running backs garbage. 19, it got better, but really wasn't that good. And this year, just the injuries, like, and even like when they're all on the field, which I like all three of them, I really do. They're not world beaters. So if you're gonna take a quarterback, stock the fuck up on the receivers. Get him a running back and get get me get him another tackle. Get him a guard. Get it's from day one because you know what? It's from day one they didn't help Sam. And it's not. It wasn't fair then, and it's not fair now. So help the kid. That's all I'm gonna say. That's haven't had a hundred yard rusher since week five of Denver. of 2018 mm-hmm. with in the Denver game, Isaiah Crawl. And you know, I but I do think the Jets are gonna try and get a quote unquote number one receiver next year in the off season. I don't think they're gonna go and Prashad Perryman as your again quote unquote. It's because Mims is gonna pass from the depth chart anyway, and maybe you try to get an Allen Robinson. A, a Juju Smith-Schuster, someone of this caliber, you can make a trade. You can get a guy like A.J. Green and keep Rashad Perryman. There's a lot of options for the Jets. But I then really, you got to worry about tight end, too. Yeah, I mean, I really like Joe Douglas and what he's done, but I was frustrated to hear when they were 0-8 in the midseason press conference when he said, you know, our priority this season was O-line and wide receiver. And I'm looking at the, at the depth chart, and I'm saying, all right, you thought Robbie Anderson was going to go for a lot more than he did in free agency. That's a huge, you know, indictment on you as a GM to not know what his value is and what he goes for. Cause there should be dialogue between him and his agent and said, Hey, look, if I'm getting 9 million a year, he wants to be a newer jet, make that a thing. And we aren't the biggest Robbie Anderson fan no. by all means. We didn't think he went up for enough 50, 50 balls. We did not think he was number one receiver, but with him being, he's a moron. Field, yeah. yeah he's a moron, but being on the field <laughs> and playing over Perryman, it, it comes back to the fact, to Mike's point, if we go out and get the number one receiver, I'd be very happy with it. Even if you draft a guy in the top two rounds, I'd be very happy with it. Seattle pick is in play for a wide receiver. My biggest concern is that if you, to Mike's point, you bring in Justin Fields or a new quarterback, and you don't make that drastic impact, it could be the same story over and over and over again. And then the O-line, all right, what if you miss on Joe Thune and you don't get him in the offseason and you, you draft another guy like – you know, a Cameron Clark that you want to be a, a potential starter for you, but he can't get in the field. I don't want to go through 2021 with having Perryman, Mims, Crowder. You don't hit the number one receiver. You draft a an old lineman who doesn't stay on the field. I just, I can't have the cycle effect of a new quarterback being in that position. And I think Wait. you guys would both agree with that. Yes, the Jets arguably have the worst roster in football right now. Yeah. Which, and you know, there's some guys that we like and that we follow and that we, that, and just have some pieces, of course. But there's so many holes. I want to maximize our assets. If you take Lawrence, then yes, hope you he will have a chance to elevate the rest of the team. You have a lot of money in free agency. You have a lot of picks. You can fix up some holes and be relevant. If Darnold stays and they trade the whatever pick they have to get even more assets, or even if they don't trade the pick, you still don't have to refill the quarterback spot. And you could use that top pick for an insane guy. You can get Jamar Chase. You can get Penny Sewell. You could take the top edge rusher. You could take the top cornerback. So, I mean, that's the better way to get good fast. But, you know, it has to be the right thing. Darnold has to really pop over the last six games. Or this is – that's not my take. I'll say this about Douglas real quick. Listen, I know the, the free agency this year was a little underwhelming. We all wanted bigger moves. 
maybe he knew this team wasn't, you know, if he went out and spent some money, he was only going to maybe win three to five games. And, you know, we know because we've gone through a cycle so many years where in the middle it's kind of like the worst thing. I think it's unfortunate for Sam because he got put in a bad position. I really start judging Douglas. You know, I think Becton looks like he's going like to be a player. Mims looks like he's going to be a player. And, you know, we'll see what Ashton Davis and the other guys drafted. I really start judging him fully this year because he's if they don't spend money this year, which they will because they carried over a lot from last they year. Have to. So I, this this is a big offseason for Douglas. I'm not saying it's boom or bust, but I'm saying in terms of we the first two picks in this dr- first draft, we like, we really like so far. We're going to see in free agency because I like that, you know, the little one-year deals. I know not, most of them really haven't panned out completely, but this is a big offseason for Joe Douglas. I don't think he's going to spend the amount of money we think he is. We thought he would do it and be a contender to a wild card spot this offseason. He kept 30 plus million in cap. I think he wants to build through the draft, which is fine, but at a point you need to get those pieces that fell in and hit. These are my thoughts for the game. Okay. I wrote them down. Bryce Hall looks solid. Fact. Can't even argue it. You could argue it, but he was he was good. Sam Ficken kicking his way out of a job. Can't miss two extra points when the other guy has been good, Sergio. Five runs on second and ten. What is the success rate of these drives? I don't know. I have to look it up. But I don't think very good. I think we three of those drives were just in the garbage. The next play on third down, we got stopped. Mims is awesome. Urgency of the offense in the second half was shit. And it did not feel like the Jets scored four touchdowns today, but they did. I agree. I would have, yeah. Type of game that you look back on five years from now, you're like, wow, 34-28 loss in L.A., maybe not a terrible game. No, pretty terrible game. But what was through? Tommy, go ahead. Mike, if you you have the numbers in front of you, what was the time of possession in, in the second half? That always amuses me because it's always it always seems like they get the ball for like five to six minutes in the second half. Uh, you know, it's never you know, but usually it's the opposite. Well, not that you know they never get the ball in the second half, but you know we all said earlier they actually didn't play bad in the second half, which is surprising. Since, they played really you know, well in the second half. They're the worst. I've never seen the Gase coaching in the second half adjustments. They're non-existent. Yeah, well, they know. they couldn't get worse from the first half, but they outscored the Chargers 22-10 in the second half. The whole time of possession for the game was 36 minutes for the Chargers and 23 for the Jets, which is another reason. Yeah, I mean, Herbert looked great also, by the way. Through fucking 50 times. He's throwing yeah, lasers. That, that touchdown he had to Allen, where he rolled out left and just threw a fucking bullet. You can't even blame Lamar Jackson. I mean, that's just a great fucking Yeah, throw. even the – it looked like he made one bad throw, Herbert, when he, like, quote-unquote, threw the ball away over the tight end's head, Henry, in the right corner of the end zone. But I think he was just throwing the ball away. He was really impressive, Herbert. He's And, and you know, he scrambled a little bit, ran for a couple first downs. He, he just cool. needs to put a touch on some passes. Sometimes he just right. throws missiles every time like a psychopath. Right. Yeah, and then he did that all... one screen, he threw a bullet. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's all coachable. It's his first year. He'll learn. But no, he's yeah. he's very impressive. Oh, Matt, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Yeah, ready to go. So I have written in my my. This is one like in the fourth quarter. I'm watching the game. I'm writing this down. I wrote the Jets can average serious points with Sam Darnold if this uh, current group of personnel stays the offensive line and three receivers, and we just don't 
shoot ourselves in the foot too many times, second and 10 runs, a little bit of urgency. Well, the scary part is, is not only do we have that in the offseason, but we had Le'Veon Bell as well. With those three guys, Le'Veon Bell, that healthy old line. So that's why we were optimistic going into 2020 that this team could make, not not always make the playoffs, but to go in and win any game minus a Patrick Mahomes Chiefs team. Like we looked at the schedule, we said this team can actually win games. And I agree with you, Mike. If you put Darnold out there with that team, it comes back to play calling. And I hate doing that because I, I'm a big believer in, look, guys can win their one-on-one matchups. Blockers win their one-on-ones. Wide receivers win their one-on-ones. Your team can move the ball down the field. I feel handcuffed watching a team go a one-yard run on second and nine, do a toss, and you're you're at third and seven or third and eight, and you're like, wait, what the fuck happened? We're supposed to be a football team. Why are we not driving like the other team is and how every other team in the NFL is driving? It's very concerning. I blame a lot of it in the play calling, but I do agree with you. I think we're going to move into hypotheticals. If you're, if you guys are down, do like 10, 15 minutes of hypotheticals. Tommy. Right. Back in 2019, there was some female at a, a Jets Cowboys tailgate. <laughs> Gave her your number. You're throwing the football around. They were talking a little bit. Didn't happen. In the event, let's say you would have converted with her mm-hmm. or – Denzel Mims score a last-second touchdown drive today and then miss a two-point conversion. So Denzel Mims has a 70-yard touchdown catch today along with, you know, he would be four for 140 in a touchdown or you convert with the girl in the Dallas game a year ago. Can I, have, can I ask one thing? Oh, I know. This is going to get weird. All right, yeah, you can ask me. <laughs> no, does anything happen? Like, it's just a one-time You convert. Thing? Take, take convert however you want to convert. I would convert because this is the no. Let me finish. This season means nothing, and I and you know I know it looks good on the stat sheet. Now, if this is a meaningful game, I'd say a hundred percent. But this is a meaningless game in the grand scheme of things. And who the hell knows? I mean, it was great. I got trashed at the game last. Year. I had a million blue points. You know, the traffic was insane because you guys all know it came. The play came down to last. You know, the two point conversion. With Jamal made a great play. So we're Martin, throwing the football yeah. for an hour. Got the number. It was good stuff. Yeah, but Darnold had a great game that game. And Darnold had a great. It literally everything checked. I got drunk. I got a girl's number, and the Jets won. And Darnold played great. It was the best day of my life. <laughs> That's really fucking no. tough to be the best day of your life. No, it's, but, but it's not the best day of my life. It was a very good day. We'll say. No, that. I think that's a good answer by you. Um, like any hypotheticals that jump off the top of your head, I think I I can think of a few. Oh, all right. <laughs> Next year. All right. How about this? Next year, Mims is guaranteed. 70 catches for a thousand yards. We don't know anything else over who the quarterback is. And six touchdowns. He's guaranteed he could have more than that. But his floor is 70 for a thousand and six. You could use that knowledge in like fantasy football, whatever. <laughs> or you get 10 extra vacation days from work. How about this? Se- seven extra days. 10 is a lot. No, I think I'll start. I'm taking Mims <laughs> because. A huge factor in vacation days and whatever is that when the Jets play at 1 o'clock on a Sunday and they're either 
like already 0 and 4 and 0 and 5. There's nothing to look forward to. Or, you know, they're, they're, it's a meaningful game. They play terrible. That affects my Sunday night. It affects my Monday morning. It, it literally will, like, affect me until, like, Tuesday at noon. I'll get over it. If Mims is out there putting up a floor of 70,006, what is seven free extra vacation days going to do to me? I, I will 1,000% take Mims putting up those numbers because the only receiver to have that type of year in the past decade is Brandon Marshall. And, Mike, you're a stack And guy. Decker. And Decker. And Decker that same exact year. Right. Uh, if you tell me that Mims has a year equivalent to the only other year is 2015 that anyone else has ever done that, give me that. Fuck the vacation days. Tommy, what do you think? I think it's easy. I take Mims because... Who knows, like you said, just all the points you alluded to, like to see like actual number one wide receiver production numbers. I mean, it's like ancient history with the Jets. You never see it. But then you throw in the fact, who knows? Like, now, I'm not saying they're going to win nine, ten games. Maybe if he puts that up, they get the quarter, you know, the quarter, either it's Sam or Trevor, stay healthy. Maybe they win six to eight games last year. Now, next year. Now, I know that's not something to get super excited about, but for us, that's, you know, it's like winning the freaking Super Bowl. And like you said, what the hell is seven vacation days? We're all working from home anyway. I have a million that I'm going to roll over to next year. There's no point. So, no. And, and it would it be nice in his second year to put up wide receiver one numbers? And you get, and I'm already, we're all excited for him anyway. So, 100% take minutes. All right, very good, Tommy. This is for you and Mike. Okay. You have to walk from Monmouth County, New Jersey, <laughs> to Pittsburgh. <laughs> well, you die. You, if you, you do die. that, if you do that, you don't. You do not die. You just have to walk it. If you do it, there is an eighty percent chance the Jets right now are ten and zero instead of zero and ten. Eighty percent. So you but can. What walk about the other twenty percent? Like, are they the other twenty percent? You are still zero and ten. <laughs> Would you walk from Belmar, New Jersey, to Pittsburgh with an eighty percent chance? The How Jets. How far is that? Let's see. I'm going on Google Maps. Are ten and zero. Uh, my gut reaction is yes. Well, we're gonna do a little game. We're gonna. I want to know how many miles, like how many days. I'm kind of trying to see. Mike is doing the research. I'm doing research. My gut is yes because. If the Jets are ten and zero, that means you're in the start of a dynasty, and you can win the Super Bowl. And I would do pretty much anything that won't, you know, really hurt me financially or, or injure one of my family members. Some friends I could have injured for that. You well, know, I thought 10 and 0, I, I thought your sister's goldfish were, you know, those things. I would, watch uh, my sister's goldfish. I would, she, I would kill an unlimited. She could keep buying goldfish forever, and I would kill all of them. At any moment, Mike is immediate. Mike is immediate. Yes, Tommy, are you gut reaction before you know anything? Yes or no? I would say no because the twenty percent chance because Adam Gates is the head coach. So being ten and zero is no, no has nothing to do with Gates. And like, let's walk to the Pittsburgh Zoo. Let's see how far that takes. So, <laughs> do um, fields? No, you are ten and zero automatically. Um, Now, now is part two. I'm pretending like Tommy said yes because I think he's gonna say Let's yes. See. I can't even calculate the directions. <laughs> How far is? It? <laughs> Let's see. Let's try something else. How? Should I do Heinz Field? All right, I'll do Heinz Field. Direction. It's a five-hour drive. 
Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, oh, oh I mean, I, on Google Maps, it lets me put in just walking to Heinz Field. Right. It, it's 353 miles. It would take five days and four hours. It's oh. <laughs> a work week. Well, well the so problem is if, if you actually do it and then the Jets and then the 80, like the 20% happens. Well, here, here we go. I have yeah. written your names next to a number between one and five on my phone. <laughs> Tommy, you are up first. One to five. Three. It was two. Tommy is in the clear. Tommy would be 10 and 0 right now. Wow. Mike, what is your number? I feel like Tommy, that affects me. No, no it, it has nothing. No, they are, they are. It does. It has nothing to do with that number. I would, I would have wanted to go first. <laughs> <laughs> you get I'm going go to go with five. It was one. So both nice. of you would have made it and be 10 and 0 right now. Think about that, but that's like a 20% chance could really happen. Like that's like, like Trump think winning of the election. Think of number one to five. Okay. Three. Nope, it was four. We're three and oh. Yeah. We are three and oh as a podcast and we'd be ten and oh on the year. I would, would do, have it. To I would, do it. I would do it and I would make content out of it. I would take like a week off from work and I'd be like, All right, we are walking. I won't die. <laughs> you confirmed won't die. I'm yeah. walking to Pittsburgh. I get there, we're ten and oh. I take a like a an Uber, not an Uber. I take a rental car back. We are a ten and zero football team going into week twelve, and we are a legit playoff team. And Darnold's coming back. Well, I wonder how long it would really take because it would take more than five days you, and four you have to hours. Sleep. Fuck. It would, it's a lot. You could yeah, use the seven breaks. days from before to take off your free seven vacation days. If that was part of the scenario, then I would rather have the seven free days than Mims having a thousand yards. And I would use the seven days, like you said, to walk to Pittsburgh and get the 80% chance that the Jets are 10 and 0. Great idea. You have to. Great idea. But if you walk to Pittsburgh and the Jets and the 20% hits, then you have to really, I can't you have to do terrible things. Like I'm, I don't want to call anyone out, but I think Tommy's being a little bitch and doesn't want to walk to Pittsburgh. Like low key, like (laughs) low key doesn't want to do it. You're a real scumbag if you don't walk to Pittsburgh. Kind of a dick to all the like 18 listeners out there. No, we're 200 I, strong. I, 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 see you I, I have one. I have one. Oh, God. Oh, no. So, Adam Gase. There we go. This, 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 is a, this will be a good one. So, Adam Gase has to coach this team the next two years. Two? Let me finish. Let me finish. And if he doesn't, you guys can't go to games for 10 years. Oh. That's tough because I'm getting the tailgating to the, aspect. I'm getting to the point where Gase is like Matt was saying before, is such a handicap. Like you can't possibly do a certain amount of things with Gase because they just don't play fast enough. They don't he try to maximize possessions. They don't. He doesn't adjust. He doesn't. Uh, he doesn't go to his players' strengths. He doesn't do anything. And he's not. He's not a good locker room guy. Like you know. And like I said, I, I want to make this clear. He's awful. It's beyond Tim, too. Like, people need to understand. Like, just because if they fire him, this team's not going to be good overnight. It's the same thing with the quarterback. They get Lawrence here. Doesn't mean, like, now this offense is going to be – they get, like, Lawrence and ben, uh, Eric Bieniemy. This offense is going to be a top-10 offense, actually. It's it's beyond him. But, no, he's – he's Gross. Ten, yeah, but ten what, are we going to be 34, 35 before we can go to a game? That's called – I'm probably wifed up and I have kids and I can't – you know, we can't do fireball shots at 11 o'clock in the morning. Oh, we can. Here, we can, yeah. but here's the reason why. <laughs> here's, I love going to games more than anything. Right. The reason why you have to take 
I would prefer not going to games over having Gaze for two more years. It's, if you get that de- developmental quarterback, you get Lawrence number one overall. You can't have Gaze anywhere near him. And I would turn those next 10 years into like huge events at my house for my friends and family to tailgate, have a great time, enjoy the game and the broadcast. You don't have to go an hour up the parkway and turn to go to the game. An hour back, probably with traffic, an hour and a half. You're you're hungover probably after a loss. I would I would forfeit ten years of going to games to not have to have Gates be the head coach for two years. And that it's is gonna, it, it, I, I had to think about it for a little bit. It was a very tough decision, but I think I have to go with that. You're gonna be it's gonna be really bitter in twenty twenty seven when it's the sixth year, seventh year of not going to games and you're like, damn. Like Adam Gates, I haven't thought about him. In years, I can't go to games for three more years. You know, it's, it's the oh. you're right, you're right, Matt. In terms of like, you could do like a pregame at somebody's house, and but there's nothing like going to the game, the atmosphere, and especially when the Jets eventually get good and the stadium's actually loud, which is you know we haven't had that in years. You know, we're just so used to just half empty and just miserable and you know how many games a week we're we're coming you know especially the cleveland game monday night we're all we're all blacked out and we're going back to the car at 11 30 pissed off and you know that could potentially end so it's tough before i hear mike's take because i don't think you've given your answer yet i got duped by this sports center of you know the jets being eliminated uh, i thought adam gates got fired yeah, it would have been a glorious moment. He's Mike, not getting fired this year, or at, at, maybe after the season. He's, he's, he will be the coach the rest of the season. Mike, what are we taking that? I agree with you, Matt. I agree with you. Yeah, I would, I would, I, because I rather just have a chance for two good seasons, and I still like to watch the games at home. It's so I was watching old highlights because I'm sick. I <laughs> saw two, two at one his first three starts, which two has not been impressive, but. He was he had a chance to go four and zero as a starter, and the last time a Jets rookie quarterback had a chance to do that was Sanchez in two thousand nine. So I was watching the uh, intro to the Jets Saints two thousand nine game, and both teams were three and zero. It's just electric. That was a great. That was I'm not that was a great game. It was a great year, but I remember yeah. the build up to that game was so. And then Sanchez threw like a million interceptions. Like, yeah, weird but, just thing. To, but to watch on TV when it's like team actually being good. And Sanchez is coming out of the the locker room, and they show Thomas Jones running, and the fans in the stadium. You're like, and it was in New Orleans, but yeah, Revis had that big tackle on Reggie Bush. Yeah, that's when Darren Sharp got the pick six. Oh man. No, I, I mean, I, I had I have a point that I'm going to come back to, but I saw a tweet that Mims is on page for 870 yards. And I feel like he's done, like, if it was a full year. Yeah. And I feel like he, we haven't even scratched the surface about the targets he's getting. It's crazy. But one thing I've been thinking about a lot lately, if you go from 2011 to 2020, what is the best and most, like, like the craziest game that the Jets have played from 2011 to 2020, like Best? The, the, the 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 signature game that the you're Jets like Patriots game in 2015. So that is the answer. The fact that that is the game that we think <laughs> about. Wait, does 2011 count? I, you yes, but not Probably counting the Cowboys game. So or a yes. game. So my point is to to Mike's answer, and that would be my answer as well. The game that you think about from 2011 to 2020 was like wow. 
Jets beat the Patriots week 16. The fact that that is our signature game and we followed up with a loss of Buffalo still blows my mind. I don't think other fans appreciate what their teams are doing when they're doing it. I get very frustrated when teams that are like five and three or six and three, they lose a game and they're like, Oh, what a pathetic performance. And and they're like so down on their team. I'm like, motherfucker, that would be the biggest game for a handful of teams. If they were in that spot, I get frustrated by, by teams and fans not knowing how good they have it, especially teams that had a horrid past. So my frustration, a lot of it with Eagles fans, so Eagles fans historically did not win a championship. They were still an okay, like they were a French playoff team a lot of years in the 2000s. They win a Super Bowl. And then immediately they go to the year after and the year after that, even though they made the playoffs one of those years and they said, hey, look, we were supposed to be a dynasty. Carson's not the guy. This team's terrible. What the fuck are we doing here? I'm tired of teams and fans getting so out on their team. Like if you're a team like the Patriots, I think you're a team that says, hey, look, we expect greatness, and they can be frustrated when things aren't going great. If you're a team that has nothing going for them and you've done good things in the past, how do you then go shit on a team and look at the Jets, Lions, and Browns that have had nothing going for them? Like if the Browns were to lose today, they are they would have been six and four and they would have been okay. If fans were to complain about them being six and four, it would blow my mind and it pisses me off that the one signature game is the Jets Pat Patriot game in twenty fifteen. That meant nothing in 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 the long term effect of that year, dude. If you look at the like from 2011 to 2020, because the Jets' current playoff list streak, the latest imp- the latest date of the imp- like of the last important win of the season is insane. Just saying, the Jets haven't played meaningful football late into the season. 2011, you're eight and five, so those last three games matter. Mm-hmm. But then 2012 is a disaster and you know the Jets did win an important game on December 9th to be 6 and 7 and then lost out. Uh 2013 they they beat the Saints to go 6 and 5 and then the rest of their games didn't matter. 2014 you're 4 and 12, 2015 we talked about. Then it's just a disaster. 2016 the Jets are 3 and 5, lose to the Dolphins on November 6th and you're done. Mm-hmm. 2017 you you're 4 and 5 and then you know lose to the Bucks. Stupid game with Fitzpatrick as the quarterback. Then you're four and twelve in 2018. Last year you start off one and seven, so you're dead. And then this year you're zero and ten. There's just a serious lack of of meaningful football past you know any semblance of halfway in the season. That's it's really, frustrating. It's really scary when you really break it down like that, and it's just just goes to show you the last ten you know nine years have just been god awful, and it's. You know, uh, it's that's that's impressive. It really is impressive when you really break it down like that. Just how you know, can we have meaningful? God forbid, maybe you know, God forbid, make the playoffs, but God forbid, maybe play a meaningful game the first week of December. So it's not like you know, a week or two now. In this case, you know, the season's been over for a long time. But you know, the last couple of years, like after Thanksgiving, okay, season's over. You know, it's it's a it's a very yeah. scary spot where. I look at Herbert today, throw for 350-plus, three touchdowns, and and I'm like, do I foresee Sam Darnold getting to that level consistently? And with this coaching staff and this team and the, the shit Darnold's gone through, it's a very – it leads me to a point of like, all right, these young rookies are popping the fuck off. And it's not like a rookie slump or a sophomore slump. Like they're great at the get-go. 
if you have a six six guy that people are comparing to John Elway and who has been in the spotlight since he was fourteen years old in high school, is that the automatic guy? And do I want them to lose out? It's it's a it's a weird spot that I don't think a lot of franchises have ever been in in NFL history to have a guy that you like that you've surrounded with shit and you've done nothing to protect him or give him weapons to succeed and say, even though we like that guy, do we want to win or lose the final six games to move on and get a better guy and a better prospect? It's a, it's a, it's a spot that I don't even think you can compare to like the, the Cardinals in 2019 and how they moved off Josh Rosen and took Kyler Murray. I think it's a completely different scenario too. It's a weird feeling. And, and I'm still every week torn on how I feel. Especially since Steve Kime drafted Josh Rosen, right? Joe Douglas did not draft Sam Darnold, so he's not attached to how, which is still, you know, good for him for moving off, you know, Rosen and the coach, Brandon Kingsbury and Kyler. It looks like that's going to be really good. You know, that doesn't, you know this, that usually doesn't happen in the NFL where, okay, we got the quarterback. You got you drafted the court, you traded up, got the quarterback wrong, got the coach wrong after one year, and then we're going to take another quarterback. Douglas isn't attached to Douglas. Or Doug, excuse me. Douglas isn't attached to Donald. So. Yeah, I, I do think a weird part of it is I think Douglas really loves Sam Darnold. Yeah, I think I he took that. the job and immediately thought he was a franchise quarterback and thought That's he was That's a big reason him. why he took the job, right? But I, I thought I think in no scenario do the Jets think there would be 0 and ten at this no. point of the year and considering taking quarterback. And I, I I have a tough time believing that a huge part of Douglas's thought process is keeping my job for a longer time by drafting a quarterback. Because in reality, if, if Douglas were to not move off Darnold and say we're in the same spot at the end of next year, Douglas could take a quarterback and still have his job for two-plus years. I, I truly believe that. It isn't that John is a guy who comes in and can get fired after two years. So I, I get the point of extending your career if you take a quarterback, but I think Douglas coming into the job loved Darnold and is trying to find everything possible not to move off him going into this year. The problem is, Matt, that, you know, Sam, fair enough, fair, has not done enough. Now, I think it's, it's you know, the, the, the town around him and the coaching staff just not helped him. But when he's been on the field, you know, fair or not, he just – there hasn't been – it hasn't been convincing enough, right? And like I said, it isn't like this is like this is like a generational talent, you know? So, yeah, I don't know. But I know what you're saying, though. I, I truly believe he likes him. No, I agree with you, man. And, and look, at the end of the day, when we look back at the 2020 Jets, we think to ourselves, a team that we were okay with moving into the season, we weren't thrilled about what Joe Douglas did in the offseason, but we were okay with the 2020 Jets being a competent football team, year three of Sam Darnold. And then worst case, at the end of the year, they were 6-10 and 10 and don't make the playoffs, 5-11 and 11 don't make the playoffs. We move off of Adam Gates. We have a new coach that has Joe Douglas, third system for Darnold, and then Darnold needs to have a year or two where he pops because Baker Mayfield in his third system, the Browns are seven and three right now. So we, we Baker doesn't that. Work, but but Darnold, if, if he was in Baker's spot, could be the Browns run the football incredibly well. And, and they have incredible defense. wide receivers. Well, I know OBJ. They, well, yeah. Right, I mean, but the expectation would good be defense. the expectation would be in Darnold's third system, and after four or five years of drafting him, you would have not only a a competent receiving core, but an O-line like Baker does and potentially even half a running game that he does. My point, Mike, was that if you have a year 
And if you had, for example, that 5-11 and 11 2020 season where you didn't have a top three pick take quarterback, you had four, five, seven through eight, you would say to yourself, we like Darnold moving forward. We now have a new head coach with him, and he has a year or two to prove it. Or he would have the Derek Carr syndrome where Derek Carr it took four or five years, and now Derek Carr looks like a pretty good damn quarterback. You don't want that to happen with Darnold and be on a different team and then waste the, the possibility of using the top 10 pick in another position or trading back. I agree, but Derek Carr also went 12-3 and three in uh, his third year. So he did already show you that. Like, Darnold hasn't shown that yet to his fault or not, but Derek Carr did have that season under his pedigree. Um, and then another thing is I just don't want my GM to be concerned with keeping his job longer. I want him to be concerned with using their assets to the best – to the you know the fullest of their extent, I'm so sick of that whole like and not that I, I don't understand what that means that Joe Douglas is it's Sam's not his guy he has to draft his own guy. I agree. Fuck that. If Sam Donald's good, then keep him. If not, you know if you don't think he's good, then move on. Obviously. Mike, I know I know what you're saying, but could GMs get attached to quarterbacks, right? I mean, you, now I know the Arizona situation is unique, but generally speaking, if the quarterback fails and the GM that drafted him. He will get fired, right? No, I McKen- no, I get it. Yeah, but just make a good team. Like you do whatever you can to make the team better. Like you can build a great team around Sam, and then if it doesn't work, you could plug someone else in there. I agree, but I'm saying, unfortunately, I don't think we've seen enough conviction from Sam. Where that's fair funny. enough, fair. You know, so that's why we never thought we'd get to this situation because we thought, you know, obviously all the injuries, and we thought Sam would play better. And unfortunately, yeah, but that's Joe Douglas drafting a new quarterback because Sam has improved it, not because he didn't draft him. I guess it's I see part what you of mean. It. It's harder than Mike. It's harder. No, but it's harder. It's easier to fire. It's easier to move on from a guy uh, once it's not the original GM. Like if you're the GM, I get what you're saying. But now I get that. I get that it's hard for a GM to get rid of the quarterback that they drafted. But I don't understand why. It's it's not the same thing as a GM moving on from a quarterback that he didn't draft. Well, I'll tell you right now because Trevor Lawrence is a generational talent. This isn't just some like yes, okay, of course. Okay, quarterback. I'm saying the second pick. You know, but, if we have a different. But Tommy, that's, think about think different. about Ryan Pace and Mike Nagy, where you think of you know a, a GM who has selected very very good players in the draft, but maybe missed on Mitchell Trubisky. Right. Like I I think at that point you miss on a quarterback. You he's still allowed to 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 continue his job as GM head coach, you know, Matt Nagy, who's been like a good coach. And then you move on and, and hypothetically they trade for Sam Darnold or they draft another quarterback. I think those two guys keep their job throughout two or three years because they've shown that they can do stuff even though they made a bad decision. Well, and then they make the horrifying decision to get Nick Foles in that contract. And we all know how that's, how that's ended up. I know their record's not as bad as they've been really badly. So I'm just saying one thing leads to another. And at the end of the day, fair or not fair, you get judged on who you draft, right? So he dra- he traded up, got Trubisky. It looks like Trubisky's not going to work in Chicago. And people are going to call for his head. And what I'm saying is this. I, and I don't disagree with you, Mike or Matt, in terms of what you're saying about Douglas. I'm just saying if he passes on him with the number one pick, I'm, I'm assuming they get the one pick, and Sam gets hurt again next year or the new system, new coach, and it doesn't work out, he will get crucified for that. Yes, if the Jets have the first pick, they're probably going to take 
I, I don't think I don't think there's a scenario where they have the first pick. I get it. They're going to take uh, Lawrence. I just have to accept it at this point. Right, but this is more if they have the second pick or the third pick. The second pick is different because Fields I'm isn't just, a lock. I'm just saying the the whole idea in general of a GM being tied to a quarterback is. I agree. Like like. Well, I mean, Mike. I mean, that, yeah, no, the yeah. initial guy Tommy is the guy. Right. Who, like, so if McCagney drafts Darnold, and they bring in Gase to work with Darnold, doesn't work. Those guys will get fired. But then, if the quarterback is a holdover, and you're the new GM, it's like you're playing Madden. Like, like if you think that Darnold is a better player, you're not going to just trade the quarterback to get another guy randomly. Like, you know what I mean? Like, obviously, the reason why they would move on from Darnold is because he hasn't played well, right. not because yeah. Joe Douglas. Wants his like just wants a, a rookie guy to be his own guy. Well, well it's it's a common. I think it's a little bit of a combination. The problem is the Jets screwed it up, right? So Douglas didn't didn't pick Gates. We all know big reason why he got the job was Gates, right? So that's what the, the whole structure was bad. They got rid of McCagnan too late. They got rid of Bowles too late, and this is the problem. Usually Douglas would pick his own coach, and we wouldn't be the scenario wouldn't be as crazy as it is today, right? So that's just the way the Jets did it, and they have to, we have to live with that. They have to live with that. It just very they're in a very the GMs in a very unique spot, which a lot of general managers are not. Hey, I mean I agree. It's a weird time, but I think look, we'll talk through the final six weeks. I think. When the season ends, we'll know exactly where we are in the draft. We'll know how much money we have. We know which holes to fill, and it'll be a very, you know, it'll be a fun offseason for the Jets again. Because a lot of people say the Jets are undefeated in the offseason, you know, and and the and practice. We're the type right. of fan base that we get behind decisions and we can call out things. And we're gonna have a very fun offseason with with everyone. But I think we'll leave it there for the night, boys. It was great talking to you. We'll be back soon.